Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. And good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Padres Social Hour. We start off a new week, and there is plenty to discuss. That appears and feels to be both a good thing and a bad thing as we try and figure out what exactly baseball 2020 will be, if it will be. We'll talk about all that with Kevin Acey, the San Diego Union-Tribune, coming up in a little bit. Very happy to be joined all show long by Bob Scanlon and Randy Jones. Double-barreled action on Social Hour today. we got the lefty up top. we got the righty down below rj how's things anyway it is uh you've been throwing the baseball around the orchard for the dogs retrieving it and i was feeling pretty good <laughs> you know it's but you know what's amazing guys is i must be getting at that age because 60 feet six inches you're not quite making it there you know maybe 42 feet i'm getting a little worried you know i'm you know it's getting better, but, you know, I'm working on it, Skins, you know. Oh, I love that you break it down by how your arm is feeling still to this day, RJ. That's the best, it. my man. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 60 feet, 6 inches is about 600 feet right now. Oh, no doubt about I, it. I mean to tell you. Oh, I hear you, big man. Yeah, you know what? We had so much fun last week. We were talking about you. We were talking about your Cy Young season, and it is just always so much fun to revisit what you accomplished and the way you went about it, RJ. Every, every, every time we get a chance to look at your career, what you did in a Padres uniform. And I just, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I think a lot of times people look at your, your playing career, but I don't want anybody to forget what you do for this organization now and the, the impact that you have on the organization, the community, everything you do, especially for the military stuff that you're a part of and everything else. So just want to yeah. say thanks again, buddy, for everything you do. Right. Thanks, Gad. You know, I, I enjoy, I absolutely adore and love doing it and interacting with all of our fans. Uh, if I miss the one thing, it's just, it's the interaction between everybody, the fans day in and day out in the ballpark and, and talking to them, even if it's a brief, hi, how you doing? You know, and the guys, the players on the field, uh, it's just, I, I just miss miss all the people it just it's so quiet even now i know you know the wife and i marie and i are going out to dinner but it's still pretty quiet you know it's, you, you, get, <laughs> you got the separation so you're really not visiting with too many people you know i, I miss it I, I miss the interaction i really do and Jesse, yeah. you've seen it at the ballpark also. It's like a bee around honey, isn't it? When RJ comes down to the field, I mean, the players want to talk to him. Everybody wants to talk to the guy. The fans get excited about it. So we miss it too, RJ. We miss seeing uh, you out there. Man, I hear you. I hear you, man. Hopefully it won't be long and we can get a little glimpse of it. I there hope. you go. Glimpse, glimpse might be the exact right word to use. Because <laughs> it does seem like that no matter what's going to happen here, it ain't going to be the full show. Uh, you're not going to get, you know, normal, quote unquote, what we had in 2019 and pretty much every year prior. It's going to be something funky, something a little bit different. And that sort of brings us, guys, to the news of the day. Uh, very early on this morning, it began with a tweet by, of all people, uh, Carl Ravitch of ESPN. And I just say by, of all people, because he's not generally somebody who's out there breaking news. Um, and, and he reported uh, that there was a new proposal made from the league to the players. It included a 76-game season. It included 75% of their prorated salary. Uh, there would be no draft pick loss if you uh, lose a free agent. Um, the season would finish on September 27th, postseason around Halloween like usual. Uh, he then wrote, significant move towards player demands and effort to play more. Once, though, people started digging into this, that last line became a little bit, I think, misleading. Um, you know, I'm sure Carl was given information by somebody. That's how this works. Um, but once again, all the details sort of were worked out. You realize, you know, from a pure salary standpoint, this was not all that different than anything else that had been proposed before. Now, there were some differences, including uh, as many as up to eight playoff teams per league. Uh, that would obviously be more than half the teams in each league making the postseason. Uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN added that. He added there would be no qualifying offer. And we mentioned the draft pick thing, 21-plus uh, days for the spring training session, and that the season would run from about July 10 thereabouts until the end of September as it normally would. So all this information is like flooding through in the morning and throughout the afternoon. And, you know, we're all sitting here trying to decipher it and figure out exactly what it does mean, what it doesn't mean. Uh, let's see what else we got. We got, we got more tweets. We got more information coming. 
uh, more from passing. Uh, he again kind of breaks down the numbers. I'm not going to get into the uh, gory mathematical details. Uh, Evan Drellick of The Athletic uh, in terms of how this was received. Well, MLBPA regards today's offer to be worse than the league's last uh, because it shifts greater emphasis on risk sharing in the postseason. Players would receive 50%. Um, of what they're offered if there is no postseason, 75% if there is. So that was another sort of salary issue that the players didn't like about all of that. Joel Sherman of the New York Post checked in. Uh, part of the proposal, uh, again, eight teams in each league making the playoffs, one versus eight, two versus seven, et cetera, best of three first round. Um, so everybody would play a very scary, by the way, best of three series to start the postseason. There would be no buys or anything like that. All of this, of course, is about you know, playing as many postseason games as possible to recoup as much television money uh, as is out there because that's such a huge source of revenue. So again, you know, more details um, coming in. And so I guess the question for a lot of folks right now is what is the bottom line? Our buddy Jared Diamond of the Wall Street Journal tweeted a few minutes ago, what happens next in the baseball labor saga is crucial. The union is expected to respond to the league's proposal. Will a response be to buzz off or will a response be a counter proposal that the two sides can negotiate off? The league imposed deadline is Wednesday. So, uh, again, Bob, I guess uh, we kind of are where we were last week and the week before, which is stay tuned. It, it could be an interesting 48 hours. If we are looking for positives, those scans, I'll say this. There were a lot of reports last week that there was nothing happening, uh, that neither side was really having a conversation with the other or with themselves. It was quiet, too quiet, all that kind of going on. This shows, even when it looks a little bit quiet out there, there, there are things happening. I see that as a positive, at least. No question about it. And sometimes, as we've discussed before, that's when more is actually happening. The quieter, quieter it is on the PR front and out in the media, the more that's going on in the back channel. So I really don't pay a whole lot of attention sometimes to what the media is saying in terms of nothing is going on. Um, there's always something going on because I still get back to the, the premise that I think both sides want to play baseball. And if that's the case, you have to communicate. You have to negotiate. Now, do we? I think all of us wish that a lot of this negotiation was not going on in, uh, as publicly as it is. Yeah, probably. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that there aren't significant inroads being made behind the scenes. And I think what we're seeing is a couple of things. First of all, for me, it feels like these, these offers are starting to become very, very similar to each other. The numbers get moved around a little bit, but there's no major significant change, which means that we're getting to a point where both sides have sort of dug in. Ownership definitely doesn't want to pay a full prorated amount. The players, on the other hand, want to get their prorated amount. They're not interested in doing any kind of a, a you know 75%, let alone 50% of a prorated amount if the playoffs don't take place. Um, so I think what we're expecting to see of what at least my experience has been in the past is there's a lot of public posturing. And in the background, there's a lot of negotiations going around in the back channels. And then finally, instead of one side accepting the other side's proposal, we will see an announcement where both sides come together. And it's a compromise of both things. And they come together and say, look, we, we've, we've come to a, a peace. We've come to an agreement on this. And that way it doesn't look like anybody's capitulated, right? Because nobody wants to look like they're they're giving in to their constituency. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I agree with you, Jesse. Uh, there's some positives here in that something is happening. There's some positives here in that, uh, you know, the, the players, the ownership came back with more games thrown out there potentially than they had been previously. And I don't know about you, RJ, but I'm still hopeful that something somehow is going to happen and it's got to happen sooner rather than later because the clock is ticking. Yeah, and I think the uh, Players Association now had to make a counter proposal. You know, they, they have to do that in in good faith. I mean, like we talked about earlier, guys, it's, I think it's imperative. Just get behind some closed doors. Uh, we don't need to hear about it until it's done. I just wish they'd get it done and negotiate the thing out, argue whatever they want to do, you know, behind closed doors and, you know, once they come up with that formula, how we're going to start playing baseball again, then announce it and, and let's move on. That, that's the most positive way you can get, get through this right now. And I could compare that way you do that. And like you're talking about a, like a mini spring training, well, you know, I, I see where that, you know, time is of the essence right now. If you want to try to get this 76 games in, um, you know, we, we better get this resolved and start spring training. 
Well, that's the interesting thing, right? We we were hearing July 4th or July 1st for the start of a regular season for months. And now all of a sudden you're hearing July 15th or July 20th or even August 1st in some cases if it's an extremely abbreviated season. So uh, the window keeps moving a little bit. And perhaps that's a part of the fact that we haven't had a, a firm deadline at any point. Hey, that's skins, something you've talked about a lot. Skins, it'll be, it'll be Sunday doubleheaders. Yes. Oh. <laughs> like the old days. Hey, uh, what do you think, buddy? Wow. Hey, and for how long did players <laughs> double headers in any form or fashion? This might be one of the only times in history where you see players embracing it if they can get more games in and get more of that salary in their pockets. So. <laughs> exactly, man. You you might see some double dips on Sundays, yes. Well, uh, we'll, we'll get more into some of the details of this thing with Kevin Acey coming up in, in just a few moments. Um, Scans, uh, is it fair to say something we should all be able to agree on here is that this is best served behind closed doors? No question about it, Jesse. I think in the perfect world and in our all of our hopes coming into this, because we knew this was out there. We knew this was going to be a stumbling block, along with all the other logistical stuff that you have to put together just to get a season going amidst the COVID situation. But I think we were all hoping that more of this than less was going to go on behind closed doors. And unfortunately, it appears that that's not been the case with both sides coming out and publicly making statements, um, a lot of things being leaked to the press. Um, but again, a lot of times that's what has to happen to get the posturing going. And again, just going back to my own experiences with with some of these negotiations, a lot of times it is what's going on in the background that is making more of a difference. And so publicly you're making you know, proclamations and and making your stance. But behind the scenes, there's stuff going on. So, Jesse, we all wish this wasn't going on publicly for the good of the game. Nobody really wants to see all this stuff going on. Hopefully they can come to an agreement sooner rather than later. And when they do, hopefully a lot of this animosity and acrimony that we're seeing right now gets pushed aside because what we want to do is be able to embrace this when it resumes, right? To just be able to say, thank God baseball is back and not have any of the, the feelings that we're feeling right now, which is, come on, guys, let's both sides get together. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of sentiment, and I'm just taking Larry Goldenberg here, and he says, work this out already. Larry, every day we see more comments along those lines than we do anything else. Randy, obviously this is very complicated. Most of us probably can't even understand how complicated of an issue it is and all the different things that have to be dived into and figured out. But, And I'm not asking you to speak for MLB or a team or ownership or the Players Association, but just as someone who loves this game, what would you say to the fans right now who are just sort of overhearing about all of this? Well, you'd be patient. I think a lot, a lot of your your veteran your veteran fans have been through that during the strike years where it would leak, and uh, you know the press was used as a vehicle by both sides, and uh, to no avail. It didn't help anybody. Nobody got any positive feedback from it. And as you can see, even the little bit we've had from these negotiations, there's nothing positive about it. You know, players are going to end up being greedy and, and the owner are a bunch of tightwads. Well, son, that about sums that up, you know, if you want it in a nutshell, and that's the way it is. And, you know, right now, I just sit behind closed doors. And once you you have an agreement, you announce the agreement. When we start spring training, you know, it, it, it's everything's, you know, everything's gone. Hey, we're back to playing baseball. Everything's looking forward and it's all positive, you know, and I, and I still think, you know, I mean, yeah, best difference. I understand the players want to get as much money as they can, but you know, and I and, it, and I, I'm not the playoffs and stuff, guys. I mean, I'm just my own personal feelings about it. I I, I think everything's going to be fine. I think we are. You know, we'll have you know playoff baseball, and I think it'll be great. And you know, in October to have all that, you know, and I I feel positive about that, and in the way our country's moving forward. So, you know, and that that that'll make a big big difference. I mean, if it comes up short of no playoff baseball. Um, that's going to be a really short season and, and that's going to hurt. I think, well, nobody wins the players and owners both really suffer through that ordeal. Gosh, just looking at this, this video guys, I'm, I'm just getting a warm feeling watching Chris Paddock on the mound throwing. I mean, yeah. at the, when I see that, I, I, I immediately forget about everything else that's been going on at this point. <laughs> and I hope that's the way it is when we start playing ball, regardless of whether it's a 72 game season or a 48 game season, or there's seven teams in the playoffs or eight per side or whatever, we're going to be seeing baseball, and it's this, watching these guys do what they do best, go on a baseball field and play a hardball. That's what we love to see, and I think that's what, what's going to warm our hearts when this ultimately gets resolved. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah right. you, you're gonna you're gonna walk by a bar you know, somewhere, scans, and they're gonna be watching the ball game. He goes, "Oh, that guy sucks." You know, they're gonna be yelling <laughs> at the players, and and we're back to normal, man. It'll be it'll be cool. It'll be awesome. We, you know? we will have never been so happy to see the tweets of somebody <laughs> ragging on whomever, you know, on That's the right. uh, on the Padre lineup. Uh, awesome. This question's come up a lot. We've addressed it a few times. It was probably worth circling back to every now and again. Uh, today it comes from Frankie, and he wants to know how the NHL and the NBA can figure this out already. Several reasons, honestly, that are, are good reasons why they've been able to figure it out. And in fairness, they haven't fully figured it out yet. They've put their plans out there. Um, there's a lot less disagreement going back between the two sides, um, but they have not officially, officially moved forward with any plans. But I think part of the reason it's so easy is, A, you've got salary caps in both of those leagues that are tied to revenue. So it's just a completely different economic model than what exists in baseball. But really, perhaps more importantly than that, is the fact that they've each played like 90% of their season. So all the money they were going to make, for the most part, has been made. Now all they have to do is go out and put on a tournament. Um, if you said to me, hey, Jesse, baseball wants to put together a tournament, I'd say we can do that. We can figure out those finances. We can figure out uh, that health and safety stuff very, very quickly. And that's really all that the NBA and the NHL have to do right now. You know, scans again, we've talked about this, but it's to me a very apples and oranges situation. I think you summed it up beautifully, Jesse. Uh, nothing, nothing really to add other than that's there's there are some similarities and that you've got professional athletes doing what they do best and people want to watch them. But to your point, they've already played a big part of their season. They're basically organizing playoff tournaments. That is completely different than what we're talking about here with Major League Baseball, which is trying to put together some sort of a season that has some kind of significance along with postseason. So very different beasts along with the financial side that you mentioned in terms of how the how they're structured, how these leagues are structured, and how player salaries are structured. So two very different situations. And uh, I, I agree with you, very difficult to compare. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah, start, yeah you, start, you can't yeah. compare them. You really can't. I mean, baseball too is, you know, and also you think our union's a little bit stronger. I mean, a lot more people in the, in the union, you know, the boys, but you know, and like you say, those, those two, uh, those two, you know, you know uh, groups, organizations, and they all, they've made their money. Now they're into the playoffs or postseason, and where these guys, you know, a lot of guys, baseball hadn't made a dime yet. So it, it's a completely different scenario per se that, that they're going through. Yeah, exactly. Always remember, these are not only businesses, they are big, big businesses with big, big dollars attached. And uh, those two leagues, those owners, those teams, they brought in most of what they were going to make this year outside of their postseason revenue already. Baseball, like Scan said, basically nothing. And they're they're looking at the prospect of very possibly playing an entire year without fans. And Scan, you know what? I really like the, the whole idea that came up you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think, when they talked about some, maybe some barnstorming ideas in November and December, even January for baseball. Like a home run hitting contest or, a, you know, I don't know, an all-star game in December. You know, some baseball, you know, during the offseason. Yeah, that whole barnstorming, you know, like the old timers used to do, I, I would love that idea. I think that'd be a great idea. I think there's a lot of fans that would really enjoy that. Yeah. I think there's a certain portion of the players that would really enjoy to be a part of something like that as well. And I think that's the other thing that we have to keep in mind, Jesse and, and RJ and fans, as we're talking about this, we talked about the other teams already having the other leagues, I should say, already having their seasons. Well, keep in mind, this is not just about finances. This is also, there's a lot of personal things going on here with these players for major league baseball. There's a lot of young players who are thinking they were going to get their first opportunity in the big leagues. There's a lot of guys who thought that this was going to be their final season in the big leagues and one of their, their swan songs. So it's not all about money. There's also, you know, a constituency that's looking after their own and trying to give these guys, maybe their, their, first opportunity of ever putting on a major league uniform or their last opportunity as well. So there's the emotional side as well. That's being considered in in these decisions in in a lot of these boardrooms right now. Yeah, that's a great point as well. Uh, In every clubhouse, there are 25 stories and uh, a lot of those are, you know, looking at, being very, very different than what anybody imagined here because of what's going on uh, in the world 2020. All right, we'll uh, we'll dive into, as we said, some of the nitty-gritty here with Kevin Acey of the Union Tribune. He's been following this thing, as is his job, very, very closely. Got the chance to catch up with him earlier this evening to really dive into as much as we could, trying to figure out what's going on in baseball 2020. <laughs> Kevin, thank you much for doing this. Uh, Good to see you and uh, very good to hear from you. Let's start with this. Try and start on a high note. Uh, Reasons for optimism that there will be Major League Baseball in 2020. 
Well, the commissioner can do it. Now, that's something that I think both sides agree on, that they aren't budging off of what their interpretation of that March agreement uh, was. And and one thing that they say is the commissioner has the right to set uh, the length and all the, the parameters of a season. I think that there will be some pushback uh, if he goes super short, which is what MLB would uh, says it would be forced to do. But there will be a season, I've been assured for, I guess it's a week now, that there will be a season of some sort. Are you concerned at all? And I ask you as much perhaps as a fan as I do uh, a journalist who covers the sport about the integrity of the season. You know, if it does end up being 48, 50 games, something like that. Or, or have you moved past that the way I think maybe a lot of us have? I did. And I did pretty quickly. I mean, first off, I'm desperate for there to be baseball again, you know, speaking both professionally and personally. Uh, but then I said, OK, so as, as a journalist, I've got to look into this. And look, certainly there's a reason that the season is so long. Uh, the reason that uh, baseball season has to play out for us to, you know, determine who is truly uh, the champion or, or worthy of playing for the championship. So I don't think you can get away from saying, yeah, I mean, that would be a little quirky and I would not have a very strong argument against people that uh, question the legitimacy, but I went back and I looked at the last five seasons and I took 54 games. Uh, Just, I thought it was a nice, even number. You played all your opponents and all that a certain amount of times. And the reality is while last year, the nationals would not have made the playoffs. I think they had 19, uh, they were 19 and 31. I think they were maybe 21 and 33 uh, after 54 games. The year before that, the Dodgers who were the national league entrant in the world series would not have made the world series. Other than that, guess what? The teams that were uh, atop the standings uh, at the end of the 162 games were there at 54 games uh, or 50 games. Um, so I don't know if that's the, the hard answer you wanted, but I'll tell you what, and, and I agree with this, uh, Austin Hedges said, and I believe that most players would feel this way and fans would feel this way, that if they're holding a parade at the end of the 2020 season, the people who won are not going to be concerned with it not being legitimate. Craig Stammen told us last week on this show, the champagne tastes the same. And I think that probably uh, sums it up, just like you said, along with the parade. And and I'm on board with that personally. Um, A lot of the conversation publicly uh, the last couple of weeks now has been about the finances, how to work out the money side of all of this. Obviously, revenue will be weighed down this year. I think everybody in the world can agree on that. Maybe the only thing everybody in the world can agree on. Um, that health conversation, therefore, has been pushed a little bit into the shadows. Um, there was something about a waiver today in this offer, uh, reportedly, that went from MLB to the Players Association. My own sense, personally, is I'm a little bit concerned that the health conversation has been so off the front burner Do you have that same concern or is it perhaps something that's just less contentious so it's getting less attention? I think it really is less contentious. And, you know, again, sometimes some of these questions are when do you ask me and who did I just last talk to? Uh, Whose side were they on? Uh, Were they a moderate or or were they, you know, uh, over here on the polar side of the owners or or the union? Um, But. Uh, today, I was actually a little surprised that uh, that this was a, a topic of conversation because I feel like, from my understanding, they're they're close on the health and safety protocols. These, for whatever the players are saying about the owners or fans might think, uh, you know, about the owners, they're not going to put these guys in harm's way uh, purposely. Uh, They're going to do everything they can to protect these human beings and, let's be honest, these commodities. Uh, I don't think that the health at the outset, the health protocols are as big an issue as the finances. And I think that anybody on the player side that contends it is has a problem there based on the fact uh, you know, some of the things that they've talked about, like playing 114 games and some of the parameters that they're OK with don't exactly jive with you being concerned about the health now. That said, Major League Baseball is really concerned about a so-called second wave hitting or about the mass uh, positive test and the season having to be canceled. That's something that we all need to keep in mind. And I hate to be a downer about that, but the reality is we don't know how this is going to play out. 
This is, I guess, at its core, in addition to everything else, a labor dispute. Those happen all the time. They are generally contentious, as this one has been. It's almost par for the course. How do you think, though, if at all, social media and maybe the players' access to the fans and vice versa has differed in terms of the way the conversation is being had now as compared to not even necessarily 1994, which was the last really bad thing we've had like this, but just the the general modern history of the labor uh, movement in baseball? Well, they can cut out the middleman in talking to each other, uh, or at least uh, putting out their message to each other. And, and the middleman being the, the traditional media, which I think is complicit in this as well. Uh, you know, I haven't exactly enjoyed following the blow by blow of this and being a, a part of uh, the blow by blow, reporting it and analyzing it. I don't know who is, but uh, we're all getting a little bogged down in it to answer your question. Um, and certainly uh, social media plays a, a giant part in it. And you saw it today from Andrew McCutcheon's LOL uh, to uh, other players giving a more uh, expansive and reasoned uh, explanation as to why they did not, uh, they weren't excited about MLB's latest proposal. All right, here comes the series of questions that are impossible to answer. So do with them what you want. I won't won't hold anything against you. Um, This is all about 2020, all of these negotiations. 2021 is still out there, not all that far away when you really think about it in the big picture. Maybe 2021 is totally normal. Maybe you're able to pack 40,000 people into PECO, but I think it's fair to say that's possibly not going to be the case. Are we going to have to have all these kinds of negotiations all over again this winter to get ready for next season? I think we will, and that they don't. That neither side knows exactly how extensive that will be. Got to. Here's my take on this, and this is you know what I call like you know it's educated guess based on me talking to people involved uh, and and observing. Both of these, uh, no one's really concentrating on the 2020 season. That's why we're not getting something done here. The, the owners are concerned uh, about the ramifications financially, and there's not anyone that could deny that. Revenue is going to be down. And I know that, Jesse, your your question was about the health, but it allowed me to kind of talk about what I think is a major problem here is that both sides are being super farsighted. The players don't want to do anything that is going to have something held against them in future negotiations. The owners, uh, the same thing, but moreover, they're concerned that uh, they're going to be giving too much away or making themselves liable to too much uh, risk when Look, everyone agrees the economy is going to take a hit long term and there will not be, even if there are allowed to be, the crowds aren't going to come back in the great numbers uh, in in 2021, uh, be that financial, be that uh, health concerns. So, yeah, this is going to be ongoing at least 2021. All right. You mentioned two of the reasons why things might be a little bit off next year. Money, people having money to spend on going to the ball game, which, of course, is not a cheap thing to do for your family. Uh, two, just the health aspect, whether they'll be allowed in the ballpark, whether people want to go to the ballpark. There is perhaps a third aspect as well, which is just the general feeling of fans uh, watching these two sides battle it out. A lot of it going publicly. Are you concerned for the long term overall health of the sport? Baseball capital B with sort of the public bickering that we're watching? I should have waited for you, Jesse. I knew you would have given me a, a better opportunity for me to uh, get on my soapbox. Yes, I am. And I don't mean to be, look, these sides have always come back from this ugliness before. Now, I think we all know what happened in 94, 95. It was a long time ago, but I think we can look back to it. And, you know, a couple guys, uh, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire helped uh, baseball back, uh, among others. Um, in terms of, you know, being back close to what it was before then. But look at how long it took. Um, That's a big concern. And again, the players in particular. uh, And and look, if you're on one side or another and you don't see that both sides have uh, positives and and negatives that they're putting out, then I don't think you're really paying attention. But but the players in particular um, are trying to kind of uh, try this in the public or also internally they're processing this in a vacuum. There's a pandemic going on. There are short-term and long-term consequences to that. And they agreed to something or they thought they agreed. They were told by their union leadership. They agreed in March to something. Uh, I know for a fact, major league baseball thought that this thing, I mean, I shouldn't say for a fact based on conversations I had with people, then major league baseball thought that was with fans in the stands and that there would be a renegotiation if there were no fans um, or a negotiation in good faith. Um, I think the players are being uh Farsighted, but they're being short-sighted. And this is a major hit that a lot of people have taken. And 
I am a person who stands up all the time. Players deserve every penny they get because someone is willing to pay them and they are so gifted and they work so hard. Guess what? So do millions of other Americans who are out of work and this just isn't playing well. Owners, I don't think I even need to get into that because the perception at least is that they have so much money and they have made so much money. uh, The owners can't possibly win in this. This is a lose-lose for everyone. Yeah, well, that's kind of what it feels like right now. You know, as, and you hear from fans all the time. They're not interested in the nitty gritty that you and I talk about and that we're following on a day to day basis. Right. Obviously, plenty of fans are. We see it on social media and, and hey, more power to you. But I think for a lot of just regular baseball fans who enjoy watching the games, going to the games, listening to the games on the radio while they're stuck in traffic on the way home, they are not too interested in all the details. So you hope that something is going to be able to be uh, figured out that's uh, fair enough uh, for both sides. Let's end on an actual like baseball conversation. We can kind of pretend like things are normal for, I don't know, 70 seconds or so. Um, Assuming there's some sort of season, it will be shortened, whether that means 80 games, whether that means 50 games or something in between, we'll see. Um, But looking at... At the Padre roster as it is presently constituted. What do you like or not like about a shortened season, a sprint as opposed to a marathon? Uh, the pitching. Um, and any questions you had about the pitching, like maybe the starting rotation, if you had those questions, they're minimized. And that bullpen that is, I think, super strong and I think without question has a lot of depth. Man, they can just churn through those guys. Think about what the Padres last year did with their bullpen. And the reason that they were at times, you know, four games over 500 at at 54 games, they were two games over 500. Um, That what they did was they had to rely on that bullpen. Well, it cost them later in the season because human arms, no matter how good they are, can't do that. Can't keep that up for six months. But for two and a half months, three months, I think the Padres are in great shape uh, and primarily because of their pitching in a short season. And remember, no matter what happens at the end, the champagne will taste the same. Kevin AC of the Union Tribune, really appreciate it. Great info, great insight. Uh, very plugged in, obviously, to this situation locally and nationally. So thank you for spending some time with us, uh, giving us some information. And uh, we'll all sort of try and move forward with this thing and, and see what happens. Uh, great to talk to you, Jesse. All right. That was Kevin AC earlier today as we bring back uh, RJ and Scans. Bob, let me ask you this. It, he brought up a couple of really interesting and good points about farsightedness and you know the union in particular i think but i'm sure the owners as well thinking big picture thinking down the line um and in in a situation like this where there are as many people out of work as there are when there is a virus that is taking the globe by storm it's very easy to say like forget all that just work on 2020 make 2020 happen but i guess at the end of the day and please tell me if you think i'm right or wrong like is is the job of the union to always be thinking about the big picture, even when there is a burning house right in front of them? You know, Jesse, it's a great question. And I think that the job of the union is twofold. They have to think about the immediate issues that are going on. They also have to think about the future of the union and its its membership. They've got to deal with all different types of players within their union. The guy that has no big league experience, the guy that has a 10-year veteran, all the guys that are in between, guys that are just becoming free agents. They have a lot of different voices that they have to listen to and a lot of different people that they have to try to satisfy. As far as what you look at short run and long run, look, I think it might be a different situation if we were early on right after a collective bargaining agreement had been decided upon and there was no other posturing going on. But we got to keep in mind that the reality is at the end of next season, the 2021 season, the collective bargaining agreement that currently exists needs to be renegotiated. And that's going to affect the future of players for at least the next five years and maybe set the tone for five years beyond that. So the union does have to take that into account. And I know that right now people don't want to hear that. They just want to get baseball back on the field. And there's a lot of players, quite frankly, that are saying the same thing. It's like, I don't care about five years from now. I'm not going to be wearing a uniform in five years. Let's get back on the field now. But that's the challenge that the union has. They, they need to think short run clearly, but there's also a long-term view that also has to be taken into account. Otherwise, they're going to have a lot of explaining to do to their constituency um, as to what was negotiated five years down the road. So it's, it's a slippery slope. It's, it's a sticky situation, Jesse, and there's really no good public way to spin it at this point other than trying to get an agreement, get people back on the field playing baseball so that the fans and the industry can continue to enjoy the game and thrive from it. Well, the key, Morgan, you got to, you somewhere along the line, you got to compromise. You know, you got to, you know, take all these factors we're talking about 
you know, and I understand that. And, you know, I think, I think the players themselves, it's their family and, and, and their future, their, their profession, you know, they're going to look to that first. And you, you got to compromise to make this happen. And that's what's going to take. And I, I don't buy the fact that anything negotiated in this unique pandemic year 2020 is going to be, you know, set values. They're going to be, you know, that the Players Association is even going to reflect on and look at, you know, uh, under the actual basic agreement, a new a new contract after 2021. You know, I don't think this will even be a factor, Scans. I, I, I just don't see that happening. And I just know how strong the union is. And it's it's not pretty. Nobody wins in this scenario, guys. We know that. But the most important thing is to get back on the field, start playing baseball, and let's start let's start the healing is what we're going to be doing. You make a great point. I mean, it doesn't feel like anybody at this point can win, um, you know, at least in the court of public opinion, which is perhaps the end game and the most important thing, because that impacts the big picture and the long term more than anything else. But it's interesting what you say, RJ, because you're right. It seems like both sides are basically terrified to set a precedent on certain things and to say, all right, we'll give this up now. Because then they're going to say, well, you gave it up in 2020. We're yeah, going to try and yeah. take it away again. That's not going to count. That, there's no yeah. way you can get that to count. In, in, under, I don't know what a normal scenario is. and God knows what it'll look like in 2021. But it's going to take some time. But I think, you know, the one thing I do believe is our national pastime. The fans will be back once we get all through this. And uh, you know, baseball will be back and be healthy. I'm, I'm confident of that. I wish it was as easy to say as that none of this stuff is going to affect the future, and hopefully it doesn't. But um, I think if you were to go into the, the Players Association right now and, and talk to some of their constituency, they would say, you know what, we've seen stuff in the past that has been tried to carry over. So I'm not saying that it will. I just know that there's concerns of that, and that's part of what's playing into this right yeah, now. Oh, I understand. You know, I mean, what, what, well, why don't you just say it? The players don't trust the owners. All right, get over it, man. You know, I've only been around that for 50 years, Skins. You know, <laughs> I know you and, have a lot, lot longer and, than I have. Yeah, it's going to keep going on, brother. It's just not going to go away ever. It's never going to go away. Never. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ownership and labor. It's not, it's not unique <laughs> to baseball by any stretch of the imagination. Although yeah. uh, very few other ones make front page news the way uh, this one does. All right. Remember the good old days when the things we got upset about were like losing three in a row. Uh, that brings us perfectly to oh. our KBO sadness report. Uh, all uh, all pandemic long, basically, since it started. We've been following the KT Wiz, Korean baseball organization, uh, and we chose the KT Wiz. Those are their mascots, Vic and Dory. Uh, our Wiz uh, had a three-game weekend series against the Latte Giants this weekend uh, on the road. It did not go well. Uh, in fact, the Giants took their brooms out and uh, swept our Wiz three straight. Friday, a 6-4 loss. Uh, Saturday, the game went scoreless to the bottom of the ninth inning. They lost uh, one to nothing on a one-out single. And then Sunday, yesterday, uh, our buddy Odrissimer Despagne was back on the mound for the Wiz, trying to bounce back after – that's the walk-off right there. Uh, Despagne back on the mound on Sunday, trying to bounce back from a horrific outing his last time. Uh, he was uh, better than in that start, but not great. And uh, that was, uh, unfortunately, the whole ball game there. Uh, Wiz saw the early lead disappear, and the uh, Giants swept that thing three straight. Um, I think we have also. Is Bonnie had an issue with the umpire? Do we have that? <laughs> it's kind of interesting. You know, one of the things we all loved about Despagne, right, was uh, the funky deliveries, and he'd change things up and everything like that. Um, sorry, I, I sprung that on Cole at the last second. We may or may not have it, but at one point, you know, he did his little hitch and his little pause, like the Johnny Cueto thing. And the home plate umpire was like, "No, no, 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 no!" And it turned into a whole deal with the uh, the manager got involved and everything like that. Um, Scans like the cool thing to me about all this is like, you know, you've got the Cuban guy who used to play in San Diego playing in Korea uh, with a, a Korean umpire and a Korean manager. Like this confluence of culture around baseball is so cool to me. It really is. It's really unique. And I think it was last week when we saw some guys getting hit by pitches and it was interesting. I did a little research in terms of what is the, the, the etiquette, the proper etiquette in the Korean baseball league with, with regards to guys getting hit and guys charging the mound. And, you know, I found out that there's a lot of bowing that goes on. And I think it's really interesting. You sort of have to understand and learn when you get to a new league. And I had to do this when I played in the Mexican league for summer. 
uh, the Dominican Winter League was different than the Venezuelan Winter League in terms of what was allowed, how much smack talking was was permitted, how much arguing with the umpires, how much staring guys down, pitching inside, how was that taken, how do you handle things? Because, look, you may do something where you feel like that's perfectly legit where I came from, but it's frowned upon in another place. So it is interesting. RJ, I don't know if you had any of those experiences or not, but obviously uh, you want to be able to abide by the rules and etiquette that's in place, don't you? No, you definitely have to. I'm not sure. I can't see you uh, doing any bowing down in the Dominican, though, or Venezuela. <laughs> right? I don't buy no, that. No, it wasn't that at all. It was more a question of, okay, if you look at a guy for how long, and if you take two steps forward, what's that signal? And when is your catcher going to come out no. and help, help you know, with that batter from getting to you? You know, that type yeah, of but- stuff. And making sure you're on the same page with your teammates in that clubhouse, right? Because you want to make sure they have your back when somebody charges them out. Yeah, definitely. But you know what I want to know, Jesse, am I the only one that doesn't have this, the whiz hat or what, what is this? Uh, what size are you, my man? Come on, man. Where are you getting these hats? What, what size are you? Well, I'm, I'd, I'd be an eight. All right. You got one in the mail coming up, buddy. You'll have I it next week. I man. You, you, you just got to know the right guy. Jesse, that's all it is. I like that hat, man. I like that. It's awesome. Uh, you got one. That somebody asked. Uh, it's it's in the shadow or the sunlight right behind me. It's on top of that blanket. I got my <laughs> Padre hat. There you go. That's my yeah. Padre hat. That's my Wiz hat. I'll put it on. You know what? Maybe I would have put it on if they hadn't gotten swept. How about that? No, um, I, they, I can see that. Yeah, exactly. Rally cap. You got to put on. That's great, guys. This so rally with, cap there we go. There we go. Come on, guys. Come on. I'm not sure that's going to help the whiz, man. I don't know. Uh, now, you know what, Lefty? Yeah. I think you and I going down there and pitching for their bullpen would help them a lot more than a rally cap. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, <laughs> if you make it 42 feet scan, I'm in, man. If it's <laughs> Uh, oh, I love it. The, the Wiz will open up a series against the Kia Tigers tonight. They took two out of three from uh, the Kia Tigers a couple of weeks back. That's uh, Matt Williams' team. He's managing the Kia Tigers. So uh, we'll see if they can get back on track against them. The Wiz have been uh, probably the biggest disappointment in the league from what we understand in terms of like where expectations were and what the reality is. But they are not by any stretch of imagination the worst team right now because the Hanwha Eagles have lost 14 in a row. They have fired their manager. And now, how about this? They announced that 10 of their underperforming veterans were down to the minor leagues. They called up nine guys, uh, including a couple of veteran starters that like are in there every single day. RJ, we've seen umpires demoted in the KBO, which is obviously wow. not something we see here. How about this? You lose 14 in a row, you can the manager, and now you're just going to send 10 guys en masse down to the minor leagues. Yeah, it's a, like you say, it's a little bit different over there in the KBO. I mean, you're sending 10 guys out. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm, there was a few Padre teams in the early 70s. We probably should have sent 10 guys out. <laughs> but you know, it just couldn't do it. It just wasn't going to work, Jesse. You know, you know, overall. But hey, over there, they they can do it. So, hey, God bless them. That'll do it. That's a wake up call for ten veterans. I'll tell you that. Oh man, yeah, so funny, RJ. I, I was a part of a couple teams myself where they could have sent ten guys out, and instead they just sent me out as a starter. <laughs> so, I'm with this guy. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy though. And and Saturday, I guess it was. The manager actually fired four of his coaches. So Saturday and Sunday, they played shorthanded without a bunch of coaches. And then finally, the manager himself said, "Okay, I got to stop blaming the coaches. And he resigned on his own. And now you got 10 guys. So that's pretty much a turnover of the organization, wouldn't you say? That's that's amazing. Yeah, incredible. (laughs) For each of you guys, Scans and RJ, uh, biggest kind of like wake up call thing you've ever seen. Obviously, we've never, I don't think in major league history, seen 10 guys demoted on the same day. Uh, But whether it was something from the front office or a manager or a coach, what's like the biggest craziest wake-up call story maybe from uh, your playing days oh that's simple that's when uh i was like 75 when you know, all of a sudden it seemed like all our starting pitchers were giving up oh two hits every night you know they get oh two and they couldn't get anybody out there giving up line drives i just remember buzzy bavasi our president came down he was pretty ticked off in the clubhouse and he said every oh two hit from now on you're gonna get fined a hundred bucks Okay. And of course, you know, who's pitching that night. I am. So I go up there and the first day and the very second hitter was Cesar Cedeno with the Astros. And I get, he fouls off two sinker balls, 0 and 2. 
And I threw that O2 pitch about halfway up the screen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, just a wild pitch. I just flung it on halfway up the screen. And I kind of glanced up at the, it, you know, at the suite, of course. And I figured Buzzy would get, get the signal, you know. And I heard about it after the game. He's down there screaming at me, you know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give him no hundred bucks. It said, hell, it's one and two now, mate. You need to get in that one. You know, it was, it was a beautiful thing, man. How he was mad. Oof. That was a lot, of, bucks and a lot of money. You know, That's taking matters into your own hands, RJ. I love it. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah. Freddie Kendall, he come running. Goes, what are you doing? I said, I ain't, I ain't giving up five hundred bucks. Now it's one and two. Now I ain't pay. <laughs> you know, he just shook his head, man. It, it was too yeah. good. It, that was too much fun. I loved it. That's hilarious, Freddie Kendall. He was my uh, bullpen coach when I was with the Tigers. Yeah, he's but a beauty. I, I'm to, oh, he was great. I'm trying to think of the two in terms of shaking things up. I actually experienced two managerial firings during my my big league career. The first one came just a few weeks after I was. Uh, called up with the Cubs. And in fact, I, I happen to have this jersey on today for a different reason, but it becomes poignant right now because this is the jersey I was wearing when Don Zimmer got fired at Shea State. We were we were on the road and I just had a few few weeks in the big leagues and all of a sudden I'm getting putting on my jersey and, and Zim comes up to me and he goes, great job, kid. You got a long career ahead of you. And he walked off and I had no idea what was going on at that time because Don Zimmer was beloved in Chicago at that time. And he was, he was controversial. Uh, but at the same time, people loved him and the players certainly loved him. So to see him walking away and, and about 30 seconds later, one of the, my teammates said, Zim just got fired. It's like, wow, that was a wake up call for me. And it, and it really was for that entire clubhouse at that time. The other firing that I experienced was Moises Alou, another guy who is absolutely an icon and beloved in Montreal. And he was fired as well. A few, a uh, few weeks after I got called up to the big leagues, do you see a pattern there guys? I, I'm not afraid <laughs> to get managers fired. Yeah. Iconic managers. I, they- <laughs> yeah. but, it, uh, it, I can only reflect, you know, yeah, like John McNamara in, in uh, well, it was nineteen seventy-seven. We got off to a real lousy start, and we were scuffling as a team. And you know, and I had we had a funny feeling. A lot of us, and I really thought a lot about John McNamara as a manager and a, and a man. And um, you know, and it just felt really bad because he ended up getting fired. You know, the following week, and uh, you know, I just what a, you know what a, what an empty feeling. You can, you wish you could have done more, but you know, uh, you're only one one unit of that twenty-five man unit. And, you can only do so much, but it's it, that that's a, and you, you, you kind of, you, you put a little bit of that on yourself. I think every time scans that happens, you know, it's funny, RJ, because I, I can look at myself and say, I had a hand in it. But when I look at your stats, I'm trying to think what could you have done throwing 20 complete game shutouts in the season instead of 19? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, mean, I don't you know, think any managers fired lefty. Uh, yeah, but I just felt bad that I couldn't do more. You no, know, we all do, right? Make a difference. Do. Yeah, we do. Can only imagine. Uh, one other KBO note. Obviously, we're paying a lot more attention to this league than we ever have, and, and we are not alone. Uh, a lot of people around baseball in that same boat. And you're starting to see now kind of like reports and rumors about guys who are on the outs here in terms of MLB uh, looking into joining a team in the KBO, including a couple of really big names. Uh, the one that popped up in the last few days, Matt Harvey, uh, the former Met. Uh, his name is out there, an all-star three times. He started the all-star game in New York a few years ago, uh, looking to try and build some value for himself. Addison Russell, the uh, former Cub, and, uh, uh, and he had some off-field stuff with domestic violence also. But, I mean, his name has been out there as somebody looking to go over there and, and try and make some things happen. Um, look, guys have gone to Korea uh, and come back, certainly. Um, but I don't think we have seen anything quite like this uh, in terms of, you know, just the full spotlight on the deal. RJ, as we said, baseball is a very big world right now and uh, kind of neat uh, to be able to see stuff like this uh, being kicked around. Yeah, it is. And, 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 and the circumstances dictate and, and watching, watching the, the Korean leagues. And, you know, and it could create opportunities. The guys, Some of these guys probably never even dreamed of it until now. And being introduced to it, maybe watching it on TV, like, like you see some of the games are on, you know, and it just created that idea that, hey, you, you make a little comeback and start in Korea and see what you can do. I love it. I love it as well. And what's really interesting is when you look at how this league has evolved over the years. Look, there was a long time where the KBO did not allow any foreign players into their team. It was all Korean players. And then in 1998, they started to say, look, what if we did start opening up the door a little bit to bring in some foreign players, specifically players from the United States? 
granted, they thought they were going to get the guy that was sort of the triple A bubble guy, uh, the, the 4A player from the big leagues. And that's exactly what happened. They allowed three foreign players to be drafted and they had a 300,000 cap dollar cap at that time. And a lot of the players objected to it. Understandably, the Korean players are like, what are you doing? You're taking away jobs from players that otherwise would have these things. But what ended up happening is that when they brought these American players over, there was an immediate change in the culture of the game down there in two facets. Number one, the American player could not believe how much these Korean players smoked cigarettes and drank alcohol before, <laughs> during and after the game. And so they said, look, if you want to be a big league player, you've got to rein that in a little bit. The other thing was, obviously, the American players were so much physically larger, bigger, stronger, faster than the Korean players at that time. And it really motivated those Korean players and said, look, if we're going to keep up with these guys, American players are coming down here and hitting 48 home runs now. We need to up our game. And so it really it transformed the league and it made it better. You, you brought in better players. They raised the bar of what was expected of the Korean player, and, the, and those domestic players started to improve their game and make themselves better. So that high, entire league has continued to improve, and it was partly because they did open it up. So um, it's it's not surprising to see that some of these players now in the big leagues want to go down there and get an opportunity to show up what they can do against better competition that's respected more in that league and get a chance to come to the big leagues. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see if Matt Harvey uh, has truly grown up, as he's claiming, uh, and get that other opportunity. Yeah, and all, yeah, and vice versa too. And a lot of maybe these some of these Korean baseball players that never really believed that they would even have an opportunity to play baseball at the major league level in the United States, uh, they might chase that dream a little bit harder, start believing a little bit more in themselves. And next thing you know, you, you find maybe a couple of their unique players playing baseball in the, in, in the United States. So, yep. And Jesse, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago as well, that there are some American teams already looking at guys playing down there. Odrisimer de España was one of them. And I hear Matt Harvey's name is actually being kicked around by the Mets now as well as a possible guy returning because of these expanded rosters and not knowing how many pitches they're going to need. So, again, RJ, maybe an opportunity yeah. for you to come back, Lefty. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll stay right where I'm at, Skins. You know, <laughs> arms never felt better, man. That's all I can tell you. Love it. Very comfortable uh, with his current situation. All right, so that's uh, the news from across the Pacific. Really very fascinating. It's been fun watching the league and uh, just kind of paying attention to actual on-field baseball these last couple of months, and uh, that's why we've been doing it. We will leave you today uh, with this. Uh, I saw it on Twitter today. Uh, former big leaguer CJ Nikowski, now broadcaster for the Rangers. My wife had an odd way of comforting my son after a <clears throat> pitching outing yesterday. Well, at least you still get to live in our house. When dad pitched bad, we usually had to move. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> former big leaguer RJ knew exactly what he was talking about. <laughs> that's beautiful, man. That's good stuff. I love that. I, in fact, I, I texted CJ shortly after I saw that tweet, and I, I had to commend his wife, Megan. I said, you know, if, if that doesn't just totally encapsulate the careers of so many pitchers, including my own, <laughs> and there's a reason I've got this hat and this hat and this hat and this hat and, and all these and this. I, <laughs> there's a reason that I – that's I in, in 27 different cities over the course of my career. And thank God I had a wife that was not afraid to pack up and go. But I, I thought that was a great quote and uh, a lot of fun. Good for Megan for, for nailing it on that one. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. All right. I got my whiz hat on. We're going to try and get some good uh, karma going. Oh, you look good, man. Winning streak tonight against them Tigers. Yeah. Let's do it. Nice. Awesome. Looks good, gentlemen. I love it. Hats in the mail, Randy. I love you, man. Well, uh, thanks to both of these guys. Also, Kevin AC for joining us from the Union Tribune. We will be back at it tomorrow at 530. Hope everybody had a nice weekend. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're healthy and as sane as possible. A little live look at Gallagher Square out beyond Petco Park as uh, we head into this Monday evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow night.